this is Tim. I wanted to thank everyone for their support. Remind you that you can help us out by leaving us a rating on iTunes, subscribe to the show, give us some feedback to your family and friends. We also have a click-through link for Amazon. Go to InsideBJJ.com and use the click-through link. Helps us out a lot. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy the show. We'd like to present Not Seen Before. I think you want you want everybody to smoke weed. Hey, this is Voice Gracie, and you're listening to the Inside VJJ Podcast. It was a shroom trip. That's racist. I'm not a racist. That's racist. I'm not a racist. This is Kurt Ocean, and this is Inside VJJ Podcast. God damn it! Jiu-Jitsu sucks. God damn it! I think you want, you want everybody to smoke weed. Welcome to the Inside BJJ Podcast. Uh, I want to introduce my wife. Go ahead, Stella. Take it over. Take the show over. I was waiting for you to say I have a special guest. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) All right, everybody, Stella's here. Hey. Okay, can I tell the story? Uh, Wait, 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 wait. And you listen to the Inside BJJ podcast. Okay, now go. Welcome, <laughs> Estella. Your thoughts. Go. Wow. Hey, uh, I, I I would like to welcome you to the program. Uh, it's nice to have you here. It's been a little while since I've uh, <clears throat> taken the bold step of having you back out to the special desk where Daddy records his podcasts. <laughs> so, well, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you uh, on again. Um, we have a special guest coming up, right? This is someone that you've been trying to book for a while. Why don't you tell us about our special guest? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about her. And then I do want to talk about an awesome fight that happened this weekend, which involves females. Okay. But Mio Strong, I've been trying to book her forever and it's totally my fault. I guess I've just been, I don't know, trying to get into a good groove with our great schedule that we have. You know, um, with working full time, helping you run the academy, you're doing an awesome job, by the way. Um, having the two boys and being excited about a lot of um, milestones and things that the boys are doing, you know, in their lives right now. One of them's a great teenager, you know, that great attitude. And then the other one is already looking at colleges. We're going for college tours and stuff like that. So that's kind of exciting. So just trying to find a time within everything and balancing things out. And so finally I just said, I just need to get this done. I think that it was a good timing actually when her and I spoke this last week, we realized, wow, if I would have done this interview, I don't think we would have talked about the things we're going to talk about today in the podcast. But, but before we get to Mio, let's talk about Joanna. Is that how you pronounce her name? She, Joanna, Joanna, and her Zang. awesome Zang. Um, dude, let's awesome fight. Okay, let's talk about Joanna and then let's talk about 
who this other person was that looks like they stepped into the octagon around ring three somewhere. Joanna stepped out and then like another <laughs> fighter got in and took her place to me. They didn't look anything alike. It was obvious. And everyone's like, Oh, look, look. And I'm like, nah, it's a different person. Right. <laughs> I mean, literally it, her, she can't unlock her iPhone like that. There's no fucking way. The face ID doesn't work. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Do you think her face ID worked? How much money? Oh, Bet man. it. Bang it. How much? I felt bad for her because at the end when Joe Rogan was talking to her, she wanted to cover her forehead with like her towel or God something. God damn she straight was, she did. She kept touching it like thinking, what Holy the f- shit. What kind of like. She was tripping. What do like what what is this extra like. <laughs> well, I mean. I I think that I mean I'm not in her head but I think she knew <laughs> like there's not enough room in there there's so much fucking mass going on no I I think that probably she she probably knew she was going to be okay but it's probably a weird experience. It's already weird to be in a five round war where you're getting beat on and you're fucking kind of out of it already at the end of the fight. And then, you know, she's looking up at that fucking jumbotron and like seeing it. And it's not like a regular size mirror. It's like fucking <laughs> a bazillion times bigger. And it's all your goddamn forehead. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, holy shit. She, she must have fucking. It, it'd be like if you woke up and you were a man when you looked in the mirror. You're like, what the fuck? Who is that? Like, what? Yeah, but you got to give them props. That was an, was an awesome unbelievable fight. fight. I mean, then, good fight. Then, then to... I thought that um, they both fought really hard. And yeah. it, there was a point in the fight where I think a lot of people thought like, oh, Joanna's going to get whooped now. Like, she's going to wilt. She's going to fold just like she folded against... Uh, Rose, right when she lost to Thug Rose, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Rose." She, that's it. Almost looked like, "Oh, she might get like that heat," but no, nah, man, she fought really hard. I thought she fought a great fight, and I honestly think if her head doesn't look like that at the end of the fight, we come out of that fight demanding a rematch, saying we need to see a rematch. That was a close ass fight. Yeah, but it's just, dude, you can't stop looking at the head thing. It's just, it's too much. Was the head? The only major damage that you saw after, I mean, her lips looked pretty I mean, swollen. she got beat up, you know, and, yeah. and she took some kicks and stuff, but I'm not suggesting she won the fight. Like, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying that the head damage really makes it look oh, bad, you know? I know. But it was it's a, bad. it was a really nice fight. Like, I thought it was a good fight and, uh, the, the women bring exciting fights, um, the fighters do like there's a new level that I think got set by I think I think Ronda Rousey set the bar initially and she was like look if you're gonna be a woman fighter you're gonna have to be about at this level right and a lot of girls were like god damn like she raised the bar she did but then eventually somebody met it like Holly Holm met it and then Nunez met it and then other girls started meeting it and then that became the new standard and now we're seeing at the lower weight classes these girls like Zhang and Joanna and and Rose like they're they consistently push that bar a little higher and a little higher and uh the the level's getting high the problem that I think they're having is they don't have enough girls that are at that level that they have more than they ever had before. Right. It's like coronavirus, right? It's not everywhere. <laughs> you had to bring that up. Okay. It's like, it's like kind of out there, but it's not everywhere. Yeah. It's just in Italy. 
but it's not everyone. <laughs> right. Okay. So no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, Ronda Rousey did set. Man, she just said it. She just said, "If you're not going to step up to me, then." You, I mean, come on. Yeah, she beat a lot of girls up. Yeah, she did. I mean, they were afraid. You saw their fear going into that octagon and thinking, shoot, this judo Olympian is going to throw my ass down and freaking arm bar me like that. Because she did it to everybody. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, man. <laughs> like one or two times you're like, all right, let's see you do it again. It's like and she did it like, again. Boom. Yeah. It, 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 and then it's kind of in your head a little bit, I think. Yeah, definitely. For no, sure. but I'm I'm actually glad that I mean, look, if you want to put yourself out there and take the risk of you know getting to look like another person and then coming up. out of it, yeah, like that's shit. you know, these ladies and, and you've asked that question to me when we've sat down and had conversations like what drives a person? Even me, I asked about that about any whether you're male, female, whatever. What drives you to want to step into that octagon yeah, and just beat the shit out of people? Excuse my language, people. I do cuss a lot, but yeah, what would just drive? I mean, you have to have a certain drive that you want to do that. Definitely. Do. Highly competitive. Yeah. I mean, cause, because even in the training, you're, you're training, but you're not beating the shit out of your training partners. Like in general, even in in many of the combat sports, I mean, once in a while you come across an asshole that's really hurting people, but then they get a bad reputation. But most of the time you're training for the art of it, for the sport of it. But then like kind of when you get in there, the guys that seem to be really good are the ones that seem to kind of like peppering people up. Like <laughs> it's like, I like to be a sportsman and win. And I also like to hurt motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you kind of got to have that. I think. I don't know. That's yeah, that's, that's how definitely. it seems to me. I, I mean, I've never at, fought, but I don't at, know. I mean, Eddie Bravo first opened up with EBI, and then he moved it a step higher, introducing combat jujitsu. And it's a different kind of guy that wants to do combat jujitsu. Yes, rather it than is. the traditional guy who's just going to sit there and, and like say, right. "Hey, come roll with me." And now it's it's even stepping up higher, which I'm glad. Combat jujitsu was excellent this past weekend, and we had some phenomenal. Um, special match from the girls, even a local 209 girl here. And so it was, it's phenomenal. It's being, that bar is also being raised. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, combat jujitsu is, you know, it's a unique thing that not everyone who does jujitsu wants to do combat jujitsu. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But everybody who does combat seems to want to do combat jiu-jitsu. They're like, fuck yeah, rowing with slaps? Like, that's oh, easy. Man. They want to do it, which is interesting, right? But a lot of just, like, regular jiu-jitsu dudes are like, yeah, I don't want to get hit, which is okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But it is a little bit of, like, it takes a certain kind of person that goes, okay, I'm going to get hit in the face. And I'm, like, I'll tell you what. You saw combat jiu-jitsu last night. Or Sunday night, Sunday right? Night. Well, think about that compared to combat jujitsu the first time we saw it or the second time. Think about... We even saw it live. It wasn't even as... Think about how fucking vicious... Like when J.M. Holland, even though I know he got heel hooked, right? But when he was striking, I mean, these guys are fucking... They like hitting people. This ah. is not like I want to go pitter-patter and score points. And like, no, they want to fuck a motherfucker up. Yeah. Right. And we even saw that even even in the girls fight, like 
you know, Brooke came out swinging, dude. She like did. not fucking around. They're trying to fuck each other up, and it, that's becoming like a bigger part of it now. And as that becomes a bigger part of it, you're gonna see the jujitsu part like really get tricky because. Nobody wants to get hit that hard. I know. Like, you know what? What falls really good is um, I know Elvira focused more on you know the her jujitsu game and Brooke came like you said she came out swinging some hard swings out there. She she brought the two hundred nine slap down there. I mean she showed everyone with the two hundred nine. She, she slap fucking was hit her about. a bunch of times. She like, did. God I was damn. like, damn. Even Elvira at one point was like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Can you slow down? Definitely. <laughs> but you know what? They're raising the bar for that, and now like. Like, hey, you want to step up to it? I know Alima Lake McFarland has been in that combat jujitsu, and I'm pretty sure she's, you know, she's stepping up in that Bellator um, octagon. And so I'm pretty sure that she'd probably be back anytime before you know it. I I mean, according to what they brought to that special match on Sunday, I think that calls for like, hey, this could be, you know, also a 16 woman. Have they done a bracket? Have they done combat jujitsu with With women? Yes, but it was a smaller bracket. bracket. It was a way smaller bracket within the men's. And so that was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of girls that are doing MMA that should be doing combat jujitsu. Yeah. Like, why not? If, if, If women's MMA is not as developed and there's not enough opportunities like combat jujitsu, women's jujitsu is pretty fucking good like it's fun to watch it's technical it's good it's not like what's cool about jujitsu unless it's just two people sitting on their butts and trying to bear and bolo each other what's cool about it is that you know uh it's good at all the levels yeah. like it, the weight levels the genders it's pretty dope even watching the teens do it it's like damn these kids are pretty good so yeah and the competition level has just gotten up yeah, you know, higher and stronger. So let's um, roll into before we keep yapping our mouths. I'm going to text um, Mayo and let her know that we're getting ready okay. to call her. All right, let's let, take let a. Me, let me introduce her a little bit before we ever get her on the line, and I'll let her know. I kind of really um, already gave an introduction. She um, she definitely has had an impact on us because she has a mutual friend between us. Um, which is Carl and Carl actually was your friend from the beginning, right? You started did he, you Carl be, Sims, Carl Sims, you and him became friends through the podcast or through no Carl. And I met through, um, I think I really want to say, um, it was through the podcast and they put on Carl is, uh, the founder or one of the founders, um, but I think he was mostly the driving force behind the proving grounds. And I think Carl or maybe David at the time, somehow one of those guys, I think maybe got in touch with Matt and then we got in touch and then Carl and I kind of clicked really well. And, and we, we, we got along pretty good and we always kind of kept in touch. So that's how I know Carl. Okay. So w- w- you met Carl. Then I finally got to meet Carl. I think we went to uh, Masters in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Masters in Masters Vegas. Masters in yeah. Vegas. And then I, then you went out. The first time you competed in Proving Grounds, I didn't go. And then the second time we went. And Carl has a really sweet wife and family, girls. Um, so that was really nice to get to meet him. And then I know Mio. So let me introduce her. Her name's Mio Strong. Here are some facts about Mio. She's a wonderful mother of three. Jim Jones certified coach. She's a fourth degree purple belt under Johnny Carlquist of Unified Jiu-Jitsu. 
She's won Master Euros Open Class, Master World's Purple Feather Champ, Nogi World's Purple Feather Champ, and then she's co-owner of Empower Self-Defense, Master's Degree in Photography, co-owner of Proving Grounds Invitational, which she does with Carl's, and a huge advocate for females in jiu-jitsu. And this is where we're going to get a little bit into talking with her, some of the things that she's doing. Um, And I think that I really um, got more interested in her because she's trying to do more than just make you aware of situations. She's actually um, being a doer. Is that what you call it? Being a doer? I like doers. Just get her done. Just do it instead of just talking about it. So let's give Mio a call. So why don't we run a quick commercial and then we'll come back. It better be a good commercial. Oh my God. For real. Exactly. Okay. Uh I'm going to turn your mic down. Combat Jiu-Jitsu World is coming to the beautiful Orpheum Theater. March 8th in sunny Los Angeles, California, California, California. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Combat Jiu-Jitsu World's 2020, The Featherweights. Who will win? I don't know. Slap like a bitch. I hope so. Featuring elite athletes, nachos, chips, drinks, the legendary Imanari, 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 snacks. Hey, there's pizza next door. Buy tickets to watch this event live. Go to Instagram, Combat JJ Worlds, to stay up to date with all the latest changes at the Combat Jiu Jitsu Worlds 2020, The Featherweights. Share it with your friends. Go to Instagram, Combat JJ Worlds. Watch it in the convenience of your own home. Oh, yeah? Drink beer, watch fights. It's all good. Go to Instagram, Combat JJ Worlds. Not bad beats, Tim. Did you get those from your son? No, I got, got those from GarageBand's <laughs> built-in library. Thank you ah, for asking. Nice. We should utilize our son. You know, child labor is great. <laughs> Hi, Mio. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. At the beginning of the podcast, I did let everyone know how I just was a lagger in trying to get you to book this podcast. It was all my fault. I was like, oh my gosh, I had so many things going, but I finally said that it was a perfect timing according to our conversation that we had this last week. Yep, definitely. Okay, perfect. I told our listeners a little bit about you. So we're going to get into it. We're going to know where I'm going to ask you three things. Okay. We're, this is called quick facts about Mio. Okay, Mio, burritos or tacos? Uh, tacos, but lettuce wraps. <laughs> oh, she totally put a twist on that. I don't <laughs> yep, even I'm know. Ke- <laughs> I don't know. Mia. Don't say keto. Are you going to say keto? I am. I've been a keto athlete for five years. I don't okay. know if she can be a true like native Californian <laughs> if she's going keto here. I don't know. I'm just, you know. Okay. Next question. What is the most ridiculous fact about you? Um, I have toes that are as long as my fingers. <laughs> 
Ah, that's an Ooh. advantage in jiu-jitsu, though. Well, we're I'm jealous. Picture of that, everyone Damn will have it. to post her toes with her picture. <laughs> yes, my big toe is as long as my pinky. Uh, oh snap! Pretty crazy. I have finger toes. <laughs> so, so just just side side note here: when um, Donna from Tenth Planet Headquarters, which she's now in San Diego with the Freaks team. She um, oh, talks yeah. about these superpowers. So we, we've had her up here for some women's self-defense seminars and stuff. And she'll, she, she sits down and she talks about what your superpowers are. So Mio, your superpowers are those toes. Heck yeah, I can grip you with them. I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you could do a lot of stuff. Okay. Third thing. What would you sing at karaoke jujitsu night? My go-to is always Goodbye Earl by the Dixie Chicks. Oh. You know, burying a body with your with your girlfriends, like you know, it's the best. Oh man, that is great. Okay, it's always good to know people. You know, Tim teases our our academy when we're having class. He goes, "We're going to have karaoke jujitsu night sometime." And actually, we are. there's some people that are really looking forward to that. And just to let all of our listeners know, it was Tim's idea. Can you can you copyright that? No, I mean, think about this. <laughs> we have this giant boom box and it has this karaoke thing built into it. No, it's not called the it. boom box. What is it's it a, called? It's a, it's a bump box. Bump box. Okay, right. and it has a microphone and all this dope stuff. So I'm thinking on a Friday night, like once in a while, not all the time, but once in a while, I say, hey, Friday night's karaoke night. That means we set the timer to like six minute rounds. All right. Okay. And one person has to be out. And while that person's out, they have to sing the song. They get to pick a song. And for that time period while they're resting they sing and then whenever the next person rotates out then that person sings yeah and it's karaoke jiu-jitsu i think it'd be fucking fun i think man. it would be although i did suggest to have a disco ball <laughs> <laughs> and dim the lights like maybe oh uh, no put a black light out yeah put it oh yeah too much too many uh, too much sweat and oh yeah disgusting. you're right yeah. yeah and that whole part with everyone sweating like crazy yeah. No, definitely. Okay, well, let's get serious. I don't know if I want to get serious. I don't know. Let's see. Mia, we had some great conversations the other day. Um, yeah. One of them that really, I think you really caught my attention. Um, we started talking about females. Why Why is it that, first of all, why is it that first Self-defense has been around for a while. And I know that when I first began to learn self-defense, I learned it. I learned the... Uh, women empowerment from uh, heat on and Henner Gracie. Okay. Love the program. Still love it. Still learning a lot. I know that the women down South and 10th planet have a different program too. Very similar. Also love that program. It's all beneficial thinking about that stuff. And that's actually how I got into jujitsu. Tim was way into jujitsu way before I was, you know, I was having the kids at home and he was off to jujitsu. By the way, I do have to give this tidbit to our listeners. The first time Tim ever went to a jujitsu class, he went in sweats and a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, he was that guy. Huh? He was that guy. Oh my gosh. Which makes me kind of feel sorry for people to come in like that. I'm like, Oh, we'll help you. I'll teach you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, here's all the information. <laughs> yeah. And definitely, you know, um, living in some of the cities that, Many of us live, especially Stockton area. I grew up, was born and raised in San Jose and San Jose is known as one of the safest cities, you know, in the country. And, but then when I married Tim and moved to Stockton, 
he always warned me, like Tim taught me, Hey, wherever you're at, you look around who's coming in, you know, wherever you're, wherever you're walking, you look around at all your surroundings. So I started Tim and Tim and I started this way before even I got into self-defense jujitsu. So going into self-defense jujitsu, there were a lot of things like, yeah, I shouldn't be on my cell phone while I'm walking out, you know, out of my car into my house or into the grocery store, into things, you know, and then putting everything together was just great. And so throughout the years, I've always tried to help females in these areas, um, but it doesn't seem to get that much of attraction now that more things are happening in the world, it's sad that ha- something has to happen in order for us to actually really move ourselves. Like you have to be stuck in a situation, right? Yeah. I mean, I think definitely the awareness factor has been um, brought to the forefront of most public conversations now. I mean, especially recently with the Me Too movement, I think people, the shame and the guilt and all the ugly feelings that go go along with um, experiencing sexual assault or sexual violence, um, kind of, I don't know, they just became, um, less of a thing once we realized how many women have been affected by it. And actually, I mean, Utah is known for, you know, being a great, wholesome, outdoorsy state, but in fact, our sexual violence statistics against women are horrendous. Um, you know, I don't know what it is in Stockton, but nationally, the average is one in five females <clears throat> will experience some sort of sexual violence within their lifetime. And in Utah, it's one in three. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's staggering. It's horrific. And, you know, I, I'm a female. I have two daughters. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Like the, um, you know, the chances that something's going to happen to one of us. Yeah. So it's it's just a really scary, um, epidemic, I would say. What, what brought you to then start thinking about self-defense for yourself? Is that what first got you into jujitsu or did you come into jujitsu for a different reason? Um, you know, it's, it's actually weird, not weird, but, um, back in the late nineties when the UFC was getting started, um, I was in a really bad, uh, physically abusive relationship and he would follow me everywhere. And the one place he never followed me was the jujitsu school because at that time jujitsu had this like really like underground cult badass, like all the, all the, you know, big tough meatheads were getting um, beat in the UFC by these little tiny Brazilian dudes wearing geese. And so that's kind of why I started is I saw that it was an effective martial art for smaller people. I'm a smaller stature. I'm under five, three and about 120. So it's, it With appealed to me that way. Toes. <laughs> With some long ass monkey toes. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like rooster weight without my feet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it just was, you know, something that appealed to me. And then once I realized that, eat this guy respected um, or feared the sport enough that he left me alone when I was there. Um, I was kind of hooked. Wow. That that's pretty nice. And I know you talked a little bit about your transition from starting jujitsu and then having to take a break and then finally coming back. Can you talk about what happened when you first started jujitsu, why you took a break and then what initially led you back? 
Yeah, um, it's kind of a crazy story. So I've taken two breaks, but the biggest break, so I got my blue belt um, back in, I believe it was 99, and you had to have a blue belt to compete at Pan Am. And I just had signed up on a whim as a white belt, not knowing any better, because I was like seriously as ignorant as they come. (laughs) And um, so my professor, Pedro Sauer, at the time said, you know, you know, you need a blue belt. You're ready. Here you go. Like the day before I left for Pan Am's, um, way, way, way back then. And I came home and I quit. I got married and I, um, you know, went to grad school, but had kids. I just took this really big, long break, um, and just pursued some other goals. So when I came back, it was actually after my youngest daughter was born, and um, it was just kind of a way, I think it was, I should do the math, 99, she was born in 2010, and I didn't come back until she was four, officially. Yeah, so like 15 years off, and um, I initially came back just to like kind of lose the baby weight, and I was sick of the big box 24-hour fitness gyms, like I just, I didn't like it, and um once I started coming back, I asked for my white belt back. <laughs> oh. I said, may I please have my white belt back? Like, it's been forever. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting killed. And nope, I could not start over. <laughs> so I was a blue belt for a very long time. And um, just recently, about three years ago, I got my purple belt and switched schools, came to... Um, Unified Jiu-Jitsu, which we lovingly refer to as Jiu-Jitsu Rehab for Women, <laughs> because it is such a healthy, unique environment for okay. women to train Jiu-Jitsu. Let's take a pause right there before we finish off. What do you consider? Because, you know, Mio, I I know, I mean, I'm a, I try to be a leader. I think they call me more of a mom gym at our academy, the mom <laughs> academy. Um. Cause I'm, my profession is I'm an educator and then I'm also a mom at home and I'm just a bossy lady anyways. So it falls in <laughs> I love line it. with being the mom academy. So I kind of yell at everyone, tell everyone what to do. Um, but what do you consider a healthy academy? Cause I know I've experienced some things that I have not been comfortable with at past academies, but I seem to try to stay out of kind of Everyone has an opinion and I want to respect everyone's opinion. So when people go, I'm going to put it out on Facebook or I'm going to put out, I just don't do that. I don't, I, I don't, I would rather have personal conversations with someone and talk things through and try to understand what you, where you're coming from. And then I hope you try to understand where I'm coming from, things like that. But yeah, no, I totally agree with that approach. But what, but now that we have this platform here, I definitely like to hear your experience of what do you consider a healthy academy? Because I know there's articles and there's all kinds of things out there and everyone's opinions, but let's hash it out here a little bit. Yeah, I think for me, um, uh, some signs of a healthy academy are if they have upper belt. And of course, this is like the average metropolitan, you have access to several schools to choose from. I mean, these rules don't apply across the board by any means, but um, if they have 
purple belts and above. I think that show, and they've been in business a while, you know, if they've been in business a year and they don't have any upper belts, that's one thing. If they've been in business over 10 years and they don't have anyone ranked above purple, I feel like that is a red flag. And you guys, you might air for a second. I'm sorry, my kids are driving crazy and they're yelling. Hang on one second. Hope everything's okay with with Mio. Anyways, while Mio's checking up on that, thank. Is everything okay? Thank God, because my kids just got an earful. Um, I'm sorry. So I'm going to jump right back into signs of a healthy academy. (laughs) Uh, I believe uh, being able to cross train is a sign because there's nothing secretive about um you can go watch you know mm -hmm. Mendes brothers or danaher videos or kurt oceander's you know anyone's jujitsu out there right Mm -hmm. well and being able to cross train as a woman i think is very important because you know, most academies don't have a huge female team. And especially if you're a competitor, I find way tougher roles with women <laughs> and more competitive driven than I do men. And it's just, it's a different energy. It's a different strategy. It's, it's totally different, I think. So cross training allows women to train together who wouldn't normally be able to. And it fosters growth within the sport because you're supportive of each other and you can troubleshoot things that maybe your professor or, you know, other male teammates couldn't necessarily relate to. Definitely. I actually love cross training. Um, here in the Bay area and central Valley, we have a lot of people who have open mats all the time. And we highly encourage, especially us. We mainly, we have an open mat every single Sunday, practically and we open it to all academies and come on in and cross train. I know that the ladies more in the Bay Area get together on um, women open mats solely and they're everywhere. So I really love that one too. Okay. So we've got upper belts, cross train, keep going. I'm loving this. Yeah. I think that the professors or owners or leaders of the gym don't sleep with students <laughs> that's especially if they're married <laughs> or in relationships that that to me is uh you know the culture of a gym always comes from the top down and so if the leadership isn't respecting boundaries or isn't um you know just doesn't have they're not in a healthy place i think that spills over into their students And it just creates a culture where, you know, kind of that power struggle, that black belt entitlement, that's kind of a hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was so prevalent. I mean, you hear about things through the grapevine and I've experienced some weird black belt entitlement shit, but it just, um, I think people are a little bit hesitant to talk about it and, I mean, I'm a little bit hesitant to talk about it, but it also is the truth. And so people, yeah, in positions of power that abuse that power, doesn't matter, man, woman, whatever, uh, it's a red flag. 
Definitely. I think that um, I've heard a lot about that. It's it's just, it's a hard subject that people don't want to realize. It, it And it comes from the male and the female, because let's not get it wrong, it's from both. Because I've heard people try to pinpoint females as being the problem, or people try to pinpoint males as being the problem. It takes two to tangle. <laughs> so, yeah, but if, if there's a position of power, though, that, that tends to not equal, it doesn't make the playing field equal like if it's oh, two definitely. people in power you know what i mean there's, yeah, a, there's that little bit of a dynamic that that can set things askew yeah no i agree with you it's you know it's really challenging and you're right because i think that um when people call and ask you know i would like to join your academy we always say mm, we always actually stop and we go why don't you give our academy a try and we need to give you a try we need to know if you yeah. are going to fit in here into this culture and if we're going to like for you to fit into this culture. Let's think back at, um, I always talk about this. I worked for Hewlett Packard when I was going through college and Hewlett Packard just has a totally different culture, just like all companies, just like if you would work at a, you know, um, in and out versus a McDonald's. We can definitely yeah. see what type of culture, you know, if you want to be in an outworker, you definitely have to um, follow all their certain rules. You have to do all these things and they're much more stricter and you get that customer service when you walk in, you get certain different things. So I think an academy is also falls in that way. Are you going to fall into that culture? Are you going to fall into, if you're definitely craving someone who's going to be your big shot that needs the full attention up at the front, you know, and needs to be the mm-hmm. macho person, then if you fall into that culture, then that's where you're going to fit in. But if you don't, then that's definitely, you know, something that when you go around to, you know, to shop for gyms or visit them or do whatever, you can definitely plainly see it more often than others, because we've gone to visit a lot of academies. My husband likes to vacation and train. I think yep, that's, part that's of- <laughs> the best. Traincations are the best. <laughs> exactly. And so the last time we went over New Year's, we go over New Year's the last few years, we've gone down, you know, to Carlsbad, which is south of San Diego, and we'll go to Oceanside to Geo's, then we'll go to Boogie's in San Diego and they're totally not like that. They're not like I'm the big shot. You gotta they come down to your level. They, they make you feel welcome. They make you, they don't make you feel stupid for not knowing the knowledge that they hold or anything whatsoever. So there's definitely a different type of feel in those, um, academies. And like you said, it comes from the, from the top down. And um, yeah, I've actually trained at both schools and I love both 10 planets, Oceanside and San Diego. I had so much fun there. Yeah, and you see, it's it's totally, and we want to create that same culture where it's open, it's fun, we want you to ask questions, we want you to feel at home, Um, not in any way where, gosh, you know, you walked in with sweats and a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, 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 open arms, open minds. Yeah. and That's what jujitsu is all about. So definitely, um, owners and leaders and culture is hugely okay. So we've gone over upper belts, cross training, owners and leaders, and I think that's where um, you talked about um, earlier in the week about um, the culture where you were at at first, and it just didn't work out, and you finally had a change. 
Yeah, and that change was harder than my divorce. (laughs) Wow, that's kind of hard to hear. (laughs) Yeah, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it was one of the hardest um, decisions even to start the process. It was a very long process (laughs) Um, because the gym I came from, um, I was the only one of the only jujitsu competitors and like the pressure. And I, I mean, that wasn't what led me to leave, but I really wanted, um, something different. I started having panic attacks, driving to not panic, but like panic anxiety, like just sick to my stomach, driving to the gym. And after every competition I do, I'd want like six weeks off because I was just so, uncomfortable and, uh, sick to my stomach, like constantly. And so, and my coach at the time was doing my strength and conditioning and my jujitsu and just, I mean, like he made me write him into my sponsorship contracts and I being the naive, like brand new to this whole sponsorship world and brand new to competing and back into jujitsu. I've been gone for so long. Like I just trusted him and realized that that was like industry standard and turns out it's not. (laughs) And like he would, yeah, it just the control, the control and the manipulation was huge. And so when I finally, said enough is enough. I'm going to start doing strength and conditioning someplace else. And that, um, someplace else happened to be Jim Jones and Jim Jones is pretty, uh, it's well known. It's kind of culted. It was kind of cult reputation. Um, it's just a really hardcore strength and conditioning gym. They are very sport specific and, um, I was afraid to train there because I didn't think I had what it took. Is, it, very, I had hold on. is the Jim Jones very similar to what is the one in California? They called gold's gym. Very like serious people. Like if you're really going to get bulky and big, is that similar? Like oh, that? no, no, not at all. Jim okay. Jones is serious because their standards are so high. There's like not a mirror in the place. Oh, you are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely sports specific, programming specific, and they have all these um, standards, but mostly power endurance for their jujitsu athletes, a lot of strength. But yeah, I bulking up or whatever, if that's your goal for your sport, they'll program for that. But for me, I wanted to be a holy terror on the mat. And so they would program for me. And the owner of Jim Jones, her name's Lisa Twite. She's actually one of my best friends. She just kind of coaxed me gently to check out other jujitsu schools, not necessarily hers, but, you know, just kind of opened my eyes to what else was out there. What is actually industry standard? I mean, nowadays having cross training as just an open door policy is pretty standard, I would say. And, um, I, so I picked a class at Unified, which is now my home. Um, I picked a class time. It happens to be Wednesdays at noon. <laughs> and there were no jujitsu classes available at my former school. And so at that time. So I thought, okay, this is good because I'm trying to train as much as I can. There's nothing offered at my old gym. So I'm going to just baby step it. And the girls and the professors and the entire team at Unified just 
welcomed me with open arms and I had never really trained with other like higher belt ladies. It was totally eye-opening. And one day, my old professor showed up at Unified. And I cowered in the corner. I kid you not. I'm, like, embarrassed that I reacted that way. But I cowered. I was completely caught off guard. I couldn't believe he showed up there. My my current professor, Johnny Carlquist, knew the whole situation. Like he knew exactly when I came in, I was like, Hey, this is what's going on. Just so you know, and the community is pretty small. And he just went out and they handled business outside the gym doors. And my old professor left and Johnny came back in and continued training. No big deal. Like nothing happened. And the women that I happened to be training with at the time, you know, just kind of <laughs> circled the wagons and they were like, it's okay you're not doing anything wrong. We've all got your back. This is not healthy. And so I said, okay, like this, this this is a baby step I can keep taking. So just baby steps and baby steps. And I was up to be promoted and um, to purple and it was taking a long time. And I figured it was payback for cross training and that's okay. Cause I was, my new professor, Johnny was willing to test me whenever I felt ready. And actually my old professor is the one who gave me my purple belt. And when he wrapped it around my waist, I said, Oh my gosh, I'm like so surprised. And he's like, well, I had to give it to you or someone else was going to. Oh, And that's like a direct quote. And he's right. Like I was in the process of preparing for the test from this other school. And, um, Anyway, so I, I am technically belted under my old school, but it's been three years and I've been 110% unified flag waving psycho in love with my school <laughs> cheerleader. <laughs> and since, since I've made the transition, our women's team has just doubled and tripled. It's, we have an incredible, an incredible team of women, not all that compete, but all that are genuinely good humans and great training partners and, you know, just women you want to be around. Yeah, definitely. So now that you're on this new team, you've got all these women that you're around and I talked about this was a perfect timing for me to interview you. Can you let us know? I think it's better if you talk about um, what your new position is and what led yeah. you down to that position. So this is the exciting part. No, no not that anything else wasn't exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I hear you. Well, the and you know, toes what, are exciting. <laughs> yeah, my long monkey toes are yes, remarkable. But I do, it's funny because my girlfriend, Chelsea Kilpack, and I, um, she actually moved schools eventually too over to Unified with her husband, Ben Garner, who's a black belt. But um, before we left, we had talked to our old professor about starting a women's self-defense class or a women's only class or something because we knew there was a need. Mm -hmm. And he said, absolutely not. Nope. Had no interest in it. Like didn't think we were even remotely qualified or prepared or capable. Nothing. Like just shut us down over and over and over again. And so finally, after I made the switch, and then I believe it was like six months to a year later, Chelsea made the switch as well. And we started a company called Empower Self-Defense. And um, 
Chelsea's background, she's on the um, board of the Utah Coalition Against Sexual Assault, and her master's degree thesis was on um, women's health and sexual violence and things like that. So she's always been um, the educator. I always joke, like, she's the brains, I'm the brawn. (laughs) So between the two of us, we covered... um, you know, we would hold these seminars and each seminar we would donate back to like the rape recovery center or seek Haven, or, you know, we'd pick these local charities that have, um, a need and they're trying to make a difference in the, you know, sexual violence prevention or sexual violence, um, treatment section, because it's not just physical self-defense. There's so much emotional, um, healing that needs to go on as well, that that's always been kind of part of our mission statement is to give back to those other organizations. And it just grew and took off. And we, um, we both have careers outside of empower self-defense and it, we only could teach them about once a quarter, but every time we taught them, they would sell out. So we would see this really big need for it. Um, but a few weeks ago, I was approached by um, the Elizabeth Smart Foundation about their new program called Smart Defense. And I accepted the job with a big old smile on my face. Um, you know, I get to make a career out of doing what I love and I'm passionate about and making a difference. And um, I don't know if you're familiar. I know you did a little bit of reading on her after that, but she was sexually assaulted on a Delta flight recently. She was, um, Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped, you know, years and years ago as a 14 year old and sex trafficked essentially, uh, and survived. And she's huge beacon of light and of hope and a, a signal, you know, a, uh, of empowerment. And so to have this happen to her again, really lit a fire, for her that she needs to do more and help more women. And so she created this new program and had such a huge response. Um, you know, they just were just hiring and trying to get, get spots filled as fast as possible to help these women. Cause we have a wait list right now, currently over like 2,300 women. Wow. And most of them are in Utah that have reached out. She was on Dr. Oz. She went on and, you know, had a few interviews with Gail King and, um, she's got the platform to get this information out. And now she's, you know, we're building this team um, of people that I'm proud to be involved with to create this self-defense program that encompasses it all. Education, jiu-jitsu, striking, grappling, you know, all the things, Krav Maga, all the art into this one program. But I think the most important piece is the education piece. I think and that's she's what, really yeah, I think that's what really caught my attention when you talked about that, and then I went on her website is that when you mm-hmm. mentioned it to me this past week, you're like, and I've always thought like so this is this is how generally self defense workshops work. Everybody just wants to get physical right at the self defense yeah, workshops. they don't want to hear you talk, they don't want to, but last fall. Eddie Bravo came to our academy and gave a really good seminar. And I'm not joking with you. He, first of all, he did stand, he did start with stand up. Okay. You got to give him props for that. (laughs) When you have Eddie in front of you, he's going to give you some stand up. And then he got into the whole talking about your jujitsu 
the mental talk of it and actually for you to process everything because everyone just wanted to start learning, you know, the moves, the drills, start drilling and everything. But when you actually think back, your your education comes from you talking about it and why you have to do this. What are the reasons? What is the theories behind it and everything? And so that's the part that I'm glad that um, you guys are covering because we tend to skip that. Well, and, you know, the statistics are you're more likely to be sexually assaulted by an acquaintance, a family member, a significant other than you are the guy knocking you out in a dark alley. Like, I think it's upwards of 80% of all sexual violence happens by the hands of somebody you know. So while the, like, great physical striking and eye gouging and all that really does come in handy and it will keep you safe in certain situations, the real threat is the person who's grooming you, right? Who's slowly working their way into your life and they're slowly gaining your trust. And, you know, it, it can be, you know, there's so many different scenarios. So we really stress like healthy boundaries and knowing exactly what consensual anything is, what consent is. And, um, you know, also what the laws are and we're, we're developing this really, um, cool piece of, I can't remember the keyword right now, but it basically state by state, we're getting legal counsel, um, of the laws of if somebody approaches you, if somebody threatens you, if somebody touches you, if somebody like, what are your rights? What can you do? So it's so much about education and empowerment as well as, yes, it's good to know how to, you know, get out of a chokehold or how to get somebody to let go if they're grabbing your hair. I mean, all of those things are very important and they are part of it. But the thing that I want to emphasize to all the women that come through our program is that, you know, there are three, there's fight, flight, or freeze. And anything you do to survive that situation is the right thing to do. There's, you know, no shame if your body shuts down. That is a physiological you know, response. It's not your fault. And even if you're a fourth degree black belt, badass WMMA or not WMMA, just regular, I'm thinking WNBA, but, um, you know, MMA chick with a 10 and 0 record, like you can still get raped by your uncle. Like all those skills that we've worked so hard for, for so many years won't necessarily keep us safe if we don't have the education piece as well. And so we're really trying hard to develop the latest program with the latest information, the latest research, and the latest resources as well. So I'm super proud of what's coming together for us. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that also um, just stick, just stuck with me when you talked about this is the difference between being a victim and being an advocate, because we can all walk around and go, oh my gosh, poor me, this has happened to me, but what are you doing to help yourself and what are you doing to help others? And that's yeah. where I see where you are with this foundation and with what you guys are trying to do 
instead of, yeah, we know it's out there. Like we're aware of it, you know, now at this point, like you said, it's been coming out more, but I'm, I'm interested in not being a victim anymore and actually being an advocate and helping others. And I think the um, hard part for me is to, um, I guess, like you said, a lot of people feel shame in it of going, mm-hmm. gosh, I should have done something. I should have known. I should have done this. But then a lot of the times they don't want to talk about it. And then when they finally do, how do you help them? That's the part. I think a lot of us don't know. We sympathize with them, you know, but what as individuals is us, what can we do in order to help many people that this has happened to? Cause I feel now that I've had a, a lot of conversations with a lot of, you know, friends and family members where they're victims yeah, it's. I mean, those statistics are staggering. So chances are, yeah, you're somebody you know in your inner circle has been a victim of sexual violence. And I, I think it's not for everybody, but I have chosen to be pretty transparent. Like I was sexually abused by a family member and it took me a very long time to be able to just speak about it without shame. And it took a lot of work. And so it's my responsibility personally. I'm not saying this for everyone else, but for me, I feel like I have a responsibility to help other women and to help them realize that it's, there is no shame and there doesn't need to be this, um, defining characteristic about you, right? You don't have to be defined by what happened to you. You can choose what you're going to do moving forward, right? It's that cliche. All we have is today. And sometimes you just have to kind of take it a day at a time. And one of the, um, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I wouldn't change it for anything. But in my experience, these last three years teaching self-defense, every single time we teach, there is somebody that discloses some really tough stuff to me or to Chelsea because Chelsea and I are both pretty open about our own history with sexual violence. And we are a safe, strong, brave resource for them to come to. So that is a gift. And that is, I take that very seriously. And when women come to me, you know, it's not always like, well, you have to get in jujitsu or do level two self-defense. It's, wrap your arms around them and hold them and tell them it is not your fault. I am here. Let me help you. What can I do? Let's get all the resources, you know, right in front of you. Let's involve whoever we need to involve to help you stay safe, feel safe, you know, create a safe space. And as women, you know, I feel like if you're lucky enough to, have some trusted inner circle people, then that makes all the difference in the journey to healing, whether it's other women or a partner or a therapist or, you know, just somebody that, um, you know, has your back through it. Cause it's a roller coaster by no means. Is it like just a straight path that fits for everybody? It's so different for every woman. And I think just opening the door, opening the conversation, opening your arms. That's, that's a big 
that's a big step in the right direction. Definitely. And that brings me to my next question. I know with the um, Smart Foundation, um, sorry, it's the Smart Self self Defense. Smart Defense. Smart Mm -hmm. Defense. Smart Defense. Okay. With the Smart Defense. What is our goal? So you guys can only do up to so much. And then like, will you then refer them? Like you said, you, you're going to bring in the law. Will you bring in resources? How many resources are you guys going to have as opposed to how many resources will you outsource and go here? You know, if you need this, this is where you should go past this. So what will you guys generally be doing? I know that you talked about bringing in all the physical aspects, um, and then bringing in the education and then you age, you educate them and you do the self-defense portion of it. And then where do you go from there with these women? So, um, our eight week course is a basic self-defense education empowerment course. And then we'll have master classes that focus on, you know, just groundwork, just grappling or just striking or, um, you know, just ways that they can also, that the alumni can also come back and help assist in classes or just help be supportive um, for all the women coming through. And <clears throat> granted, I'm not saying every woman that comes through this program has experienced sexual violence, but a large majority have. And um, I think one of the most healing things I've ever done is to give back to somebody who's in the middle of a ship storm and needs a hand. So, you know, we're going to encourage all the alumni to find ways to volunteer or to help assist in classes or just to stay connected because man, that feeling of you're not alone in this is valuable. And so we'll have online forums and groups and obviously Utah, there's only so much we can physically do in Utah. So we have affiliation uh, concepts in place where, you know, we come and train you for a weekend in the smart defense curriculum and you pass a background check, you do a 40 hour education. So that's one of the other things that will set this apart is all the trainers and actually all the staff and board members of of the smart foundation will go through a 40 hour training and education through the um, Utah Coalition Against Sexual Assault. And that's just geared for people that work in this industry, not just the self-defense industry, but just the sexual violence, sexual trauma, sexual abuse, healing, victim advocates, things like that. Anyone that's in that industry uh, needs to go through this training. So we're onboarding that with our staff and, you know, background checks, and we're going to have hopefully programs worldwide. I know we have a nationwide need for it, and we're just trying to catch up to the demand right now because we don't want to cut corners. <laughs> we no, want to do this right. The, the, it's a tough job that you have right now. I'm just thinking about it, and I'm thinking how beneficial it's going to be, but I'm thinking, man, you're wanted everywhere. Like, I mean, I'm, I know that you talked about this statistics in Utah, one in three, um, but definitely one in everywhere, especially with, you know, the issue of self um, sex trafficking and that's getting bigger. I mean, I'm an educator and so we've had people come in and give workshops to us on sex trafficking, which is harsh. You leave there and it's, it's not funny, but it was kind of funny when we joked about it afterwards. So 
mind this, take this video and it could, so we're watching and we're listening and we're having this whole workshop. And then she goes, okay, now I got to show you this picture because it's got to like, you're going through these, all these feelings that they're harsh and you see a picture of these puppies. You have to try to look at something cute and adorable because you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to feel right now. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and secondary trauma is a thing. I mean, therapists experience it all the time and yeah, you have to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others for sure. And pictures of puppies, I highly recommend. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm into plants, but pictures of puppies do just as well. So, you know, definitely. But um, this just sounds phenomenal. I cannot wait to do a podcast in a few months again with you and see what you've developed. I know this is the beginning of a, you know, tremendous fab fabulous, like a real work. I mean, it's, it's like if you were to be one of those doctors that go, go and gives your life to a different country, you know, and is Mm -hmm. working there solely. It's the same thing, but people don't value what you do as much because you actually don't leave everything behind and, you know, go to that village or whatever. This is our village. This is what we're trying Mm -hmm. to take care of. And not many of us value this as much. I mean, I just started another five-week self-defense workshop every Friday, and we have 10 women. And I'm thinking in Stockton, we should have more women wanting to do this. But everyone says, oh, I don't have the time. I don't know. It's not in yeah. my schedule. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, let me know when it does get into your schedule because it's really important, which drives me to the next thing is... What are we doing to help prepare our little ones, our boys and girls that we're raising, you know? Yeah. And if yeah. we're not showing them and being examples and educating them and being more advocates than victims in this world, like that's our future there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm raising two very strong, stubborn, tenacious, beautiful <laughs> humans. And I, they are my why. They are why I don't sleep as, as much as I should. And I don't, you know what I mean? They are my, they're why I do this because that is the single most breaking the cycle of abuse for me was huge. Like I, my kids are going to grow up in a loving home. They are going to know that I am living my truth, right? I'm trying to be as authentic as I can. I'm not perfect. I make so many damn mistakes. It's (laughs) mind blowing, but hopefully you don't make them over and over and over again. You learn and keep moving. But I think some little steps that all parents can do, um, is teach your children from the very beginning, the um, correct anatomy of a body. Um, you know, of course, age appropriate, but self-worth, self-esteem, self-love, I mean, self-respect, all of those qualities are just so important. And I have a 13-year-old right in the middle of junior high, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is so hard to help her see the bigger picture. But man, like just back to that, those, those things, you know, self-worth, self-respect, self-love, all of those things. You have to love yourself and, and it's work, you know, we don't always, that's 
you know, depending on how you're raised, nobody has the ideal situation, but man, if there's anything I can give my kids, you know, female or male, whoever you're raising blood or not, you know, you are worthy. You are an incredible, special child and nobody gets to disrespect you or touch you or, you know what I mean? Proper touching is a huge thing. I also volunteer for the Utah has a program called Speak Up, Be Safe, and it's age-appropriate education about good touch and bad touch and, you know, cyberbullying and sexting and just basically raising, you know, kids that are aware of what's happening and who to go to if they feel unsafe or if they, you know, something's happening to them what are some steps they can take, you know, finding a trusted adult, talking to a doctor, talking to, you know, there's so many different things that they teach, but, um, just, I teach my girls from day one, there's no shame in their body. There's no shame in, you know, talking about sex or talking about, you know, the, the, the good touch and the bad touch and the, feelings and being secure with who you are. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. I'm sorry. I'm uh, kind of no. blathering on, but man, does it, it means a lot to me to raise daughters that are strong and independent and fierce and loving and kind and all the other, you know, good qualities, but it has nothing to do with what they look like. You know, their worth has nothing to do with their bodies, you know, but I want them to know exactly what is a private part? We don't just say, oh, you're a wiener. It's a penis. So, you know what I mean? Like we use the correct terms and we have from day one. I mean, I believe my, she's going to be 10 on Thursday, but I believe when she was about four, I mean, she corrected our neighbor and was like, that's a vulva. <laughs> just her little voice like piped up when they were talking about something. And I thought, yeah, and you should know all the correct terms and sex education and being very, very, you know, open and honest with them. It's for me, that's what I've chosen to do to, you know, raise my kids without that shame of their bodies or you know, the, the, and who knows if it'll work or not, but I'm trying my damnedest to raise the healthiest, happiest children I can. No, it sounds awesome. You remind me a little bit of Brené Brown. I'm a big fan of hers. Of Oh, God. She's amazing. <laughs> she is. And I've been re-listening to some of her podcasts. I've been a fan of hers for years. And I used to have, I used to beg my friends, can we just have some book clubs with Brené Brown? Come on. Nobody <laughs> yes. wanted to, nobody still wants to do it with me. I guess I'm such a nerd. But one of the last things. Hey, we like, could do it online together. <laughs> I think you and I should do it. And whatever other women want to do it, hit us up. Hit Mio and I up. We'll yeah. definitely do it. But one of yeah. the last things that I'm going to talk about that she just said this last week, I think it's a audio book on parenting that she has a little short clip one on. And she talked about our kids, if they don't feel that there's any belonging in the world, and if you don't give them any belonging in your own home and respect and all that other stuff, then that's why they're lost. You know, that's why we don't have, that's why you're able to talk to your kid. That's why I'm able to talk to my kids and go, you respect that female. I have two boys and we definitely have those conversations. Like, don't you ever disrespect her like that? Like it needs to go where we talk to our boys and educate them about everything and all of this, you know? And so mm -hmm. I try, I'm an example. Yeah, 
and my husband's an example for them. And we, we respect other females and we respect other males and we respect individuals and people and everything. And there is, we tell them, it's not the profession that these people are in. It's the people themselves. There's a bad person in every single, because people will be like, oh my gosh, that all cops are bad. I'm like, no. It's the person that was doing it that was bad. Don't, don't, I'm an educator. Sometimes I feel sad when I hear about other educators doing what they're doing, you know, and I go, yeah, no, it is not the profession because I'm trying to do my best. I'm a high school educator. I deal with, you know, all these kids at these older ages and a lot of them text me. One of them just texted me this past week. You know, I've been having such a hard time because I just found out I'm pregnant and I'm 15 years old, you know, things like that. And it just breaks my heart, you know? Okay. But let's change gears and we're going to hear more about me, everyone. (laughs) Don't forget. So, So to close it all off, Tim does this fun game. I've heard him do it once. Um, with Ricky Lule from Oceanside, 10th Planet Oceanside. And I thought it was hilarious. And we're going to have even a more fabulous time next time because I know I'll get to know Mio a little bit more next time. So I would, I have two would you rather. So Tim okay. is back. He's joining us back. Hi, honey. Hello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Okay. So um, uh, uh, I came right in when I heard, I heard wiener. That was the first thing I heard. <laughs> Term I was is like, penis, We use all those terms here, Mio, in our house. We're very open, you know. Yes. So what? Yes. Oh, okay. So we're gonna play that game. Um, you're doing Would You Rather? Yeah. You I'm have gonna, two. I have two only. So you got two questions. I have two questions. And you got Mio. options on the questions. Yes, I do. Okay. So I'm. I just need to know how to run the sound here. All right. Okay. We're gonna run some so sound give, with the Mio. Me, be patient give me one with second. us. Let me make sure I got this. You're right. trying to be fancy, Mio. Nah, we're just being. <laughs> I like it. Being dumb. Okay, ready? Let's do it. Uh, and here we go. All right, one more time. Let's try that one more time. Okay, let's okay. Here we go. Ready? Okay, Mio. Would you rather? Roll with someone that just used a restroom barefoot. Or roll with someone that has crusty fungus feet. Oh, Lord. Dun, dun, dun. Probably. Oh, that's rough. (laughs) I would say bathroom barefoot because our women's bathroom is spotless. Oh, Uh, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Barefoot bathroom. Ooh, wow. That's bad. At least the dudes, the dudes bathrooms I've seen. That's bad. That is bad. The dudes bathroom is bad. Okay. I think we true. I just was thinking female partners only. Crusty feet are bad, though, man. I don't know. We've we've actually had, you know, we've had experiences with crusty feet. Yeah, Let's just saying that. Yeah, that's why I had to bring that one up, <laughs> just so you know, just so you nice. know, Mio. We had to bring that one. Up. Okay, wrong answer on both, but right. Mio picked restroom barefoot <laughs> only because. Let's put the disclaimer for everyone out there. Yes, Mio's our academy mm-hmm. is spotless. Okay. We're gonna have to figure that out when we go visit. We're um, take the a academy picture. is not. 
the oh. bathroom is. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like, nice. I'm a clean freak. So, yeah, there's rarely a ca- an academy better up that's up my clothing <laughs> standards. <laughs> Ooh, we're going to have to step it up, by the way. I try to keep the whole <laughs> academy clean, so we'll have to see on that. Okay, next one. Okay. Would you rather accidentally use someone's mouth guard during rolling or receive a good amount of sweat into your mouth while rolling? Oh, I would totally use someone else's mouth guard. Oh, yes. I would say that is the winner on that one. Oh, Tim. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Tim no, disagrees no. with this again. Have you seen some of the mouth guards that people are? Uh, well, yours is pretty well, and again, nasty. I'm thinking exactly. Like, <laughs> nasty, maybe. But if I can pick who it is, there's tons of people I'd like to kiss. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? It's like the same. I just, thing. Feel, I just feel like putting someone's mouth guard in is crossing the line. That's like more intimate oh, than I want to sure. be. <laughs> okay, I yeah. Think- I think B.O. Sure. and I are thinking, okay, it could just be a thicker Invisalign, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, good, good exactly. try. <laughs> like freshly Listerine dips. It would be fine. <laughs> yeah, see, definitely. Okay, we're going to have to bring in uh, Carl's name on those Would You Rather next time. I'm going to have to find out some facts. Maybe I'll talk to Carl's wife, find out some good facts Oh, about God, him. Carl is hilarious. He's such a clean freak. He's actually one of my favorite training partners. Not only because I love to like tickle him and make him squeal, but <laughs> because he is so clean. Oh, the dude man. will change clothes mid open mat if he doesn't <laughs> like the way he smells. <laughs> and he like knows that I'm a freak for like if you stink even a little bit, like forget it, we're not training. <laughs> so I he's always like, Yeah, I'll get you my first couple rounds. He's the best. He's always clean. That's funny. <laughs> and he's a badass. Uh, he probably tries to sneak into that female restroom just because Neo keeps it clean. Yeah. It's cleaner than the dudes. Uh, I sure. promise I'll pee sitting down. Yeah. I, I think you should. I love you, Carl. I know. When you when he comes visits, uh, Mio put a big old sign, Carl not allowed in here or something in that women's restroom. Because then you'll know if he saw the sign that he was trying to sneak oh, in have, there. Yes. And I have a funny fact about Carl that you need to know and the public needs to know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's hear it. (laughs) I want to hear it. He has two separate deodorants in his bag because one is for his armpits and one is for his nether region. Oh, (laughs) that right there is an OG move right there. Is it? I had never heard of that before him, but I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, that's like a prison move right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so any uh, listeners that will listen up to the end of the podcast will get to know this fact about Carl. We will not repeat yeah. it again. Therefore, insiders. Yep. <laughs> Insider. So Mio, thank you so, so much for all of this. We appreciate your time. We know it's a little bit later in Utah. Tim and I will oh, have to hey, make my it pleasure. out. Definitely. Thank you so much. 
And definitely. Well, PGI is going to be July 18th, so you guys need to come out for that. Woo-hoo. Sounds dope. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. does. So yeah. definitely thank, awesome. uh, thank you, Mio, and have the fabulous good night rest in the, well, not much left of your evening now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, too. All thank right. you so much. It Thanks was so a much. pleasure. All right. Have thank a good one. you. Bye. All right. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Inside the BJJ. Are you tired of getting sand kicked on your face? Tired of getting punked around by a homeless man? Tired of getting punked around? Tired of getting punked around by bums? Tired of being a victim? Do you like being a victim? Don't be a victim. Tired of being a wimpy blubber man? Oh, you're such a wimpy blubber man, aren't you? Get that sand out of my face. Inside BJJ Academy, home to 10th Planet Stockton and Inside BJJ Academy Gi Jiu-Jitsu School. We specialize in self-defense, submission, grappling, wrestling, Gi Jiu-Jitsu, even Judo, the world-famous Inside BJJ Academy. Ah, man. God damn it! Inside BJJ Academy, home to 10th Planet Stockton. Learn self-defense, submission, grappling, wrestling, gi jitsu even judo. The world-famous Inside BJJ Academy. Earn a black belt in gi jitsu and 10th Planet no gi jitsu The only place in the world. Inside BJJAcademy.com. Welcome back to hey, the program. Baby. Thanks, love. How'd that go? It went great. I appreciate your time. I know you're you're the brains behind getting all your Thank fancy you. commercials. Seriously, your commercials, they are the best. I, I know it takes a lot for me to say that, to give you tons of compliments. Does it hurt you to say that? Does it hurt? Well, your head kind of gets bigger, and then we got to deal with that. And- I'm like the most, the least like... <laughs> <laughs> the most. You started with the word most. <laughs> Shut up. I'm like the least likely person. Well, I might to my own. See, you do. I make what? some good commercials. I like them. I get a lot of feedback from them. And to be honest with you, if you don't like them, I don't really fucking care. Cause I'm making them for free, bitch. You know, like I don't care. I'm doing this shit for me. I know we're doing this for fun. I love it. Actually not for fun. I'm doing this to educate people. You know, it's, it's I'm doing it mostly for fun. Okay, it is a lot of fun, but I am trying to educate. And you you're doing a great job at um this last round of um five week series workshop. I know I got to teach with you a few times, get to mess around with you, but yeah. you and Beto have been doing a good job. I know you Thank took you. a load off me with taking care of the curriculum this time. I just have a lot on my plate right now and I want to appreciate it. I want to, I want, do more, to... I want to do more brunches. I want to have more girl nights and you know, you just got to take more of the load. Okay. That's it. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we got to go folks. No, uh, you know, yeah, whatevs. It's all good, man. Like I like teaching jujitsu. Teaching jujitsu is the best part of the job. Absolute best part. 
even yeah. probably better than rolling for me now. Like I like to roll, but I really like doing the teaching part. I think I liked so. Tim and I have been working with the peewees. I do get to, um, Tim and I do get to teach the peewees together and we're teaching them bass and we're, we're starting on the push bass. Okay. Yeah. And they, they love being the bass monster, the bass monster, dude, those little two, those little hands, put there's little kids put their two cute little hands together and they go push. Yeah, but have you? It's funny how some oh, <laughs> anyway, some kids you are know pushing. What? I love all those kids in my class because I know some of the parents listen to the podcast, and I want to say what's up. Thank you for your support. <laughs> I think you're fucking dope. <laughs> it's the first time we started our Pee Wee's program back in August, and we've never we've never taught you've never taught them that little, and Not you were just young. no. And I just I actually always told myself because I've been an educator for eighteen years. And I was told myself, and I've never gone down to teaching kindergarten or first. Like I taught it at first, and I just said I can't do it anymore. Now I'm at high school. You're pretty good with the little kids, man. I think just because our children are way older, and I miss that age. I do too. I it do gives you a little age. fix, like just a, just enough. It's like okay, good, you can go now. Yeah, you look at Dylan's cute little blue eyes, and then you look at Liam's chunky cheeks. He's still got there's that some, little there's fat. Some, and, there's some fun kids there, oh, and. Yeah. And, you know, you have special power over kids. I don't know how you do it, but they're all, they're all like, they don't fuck with you. They fuck with me. They're like, ah, oh, it's coach Tim. Like I'll mess around. They climb on bit. top of you. They climb on me. They're like, ah, it's the dumb bald guy. And they'll rub <laughs> my head. And then like some of them act like they're zapping me with, cause I kind of started it, but it's uh-huh. kind of fun. They act like they're zapping me with their fingers. They go like, like they have electricity in their hand. But you know, when I tell them, like, okay, hey, we got to get serious now. They're like, okay, okay, boomer. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. And then I got to count one, two, and they're like, really? You're going to count? <laughs> really? Now you're going to count, old man? But they, 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 don't, they don't mess with you. So that's pretty good. I mean, I really like that. There's yeah. a, I learned a lot, too. I realized I was a little too hard on them in an odd way. Like, my expectations were like, don't talk. Like, that kind of thing. Like, I would snap at them for like... Maybe I wasn't adjusting my expectations the right way. It it was a challenge. I don't think you. I don't think you've ever been in. A, you haven't even been. Like I was room mom since they were in preschool, so I've been around the boys and Noah's going to be seventeen. I've, I've had five year olds though. Like no, no, I started no, with five year olds. You've had them, but not with a class full of like fifteen. Not all of them. Yeah, you're are, right. And actually, most of them are four year olds. It, and you know what I've come to learn is that like I. I managed class like my dad managed us at church when we were kids. Like, hey, knock it off. Sit down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you shut up. You want to shut up? You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Is that right? You want to shut up, Nate? You know? You remind me of um, what's uh, what's his name in that movie? Like, you want a big cup of. Shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you want a big cup of Ben Stiller in that movie? Well, like today when they were talking, right when I was going to do the promotion. Like, and the teens are oh, on the wall. Well, that's the way you talk to the teens, though. Yeah, and then I had to walk over there, and I'm like, hey, when I'm talking, you guys shut up. How about that, okay? And I just walked off. Like, they need to know what's up. They need to fear me. They're too close to me. Like, they're too muscling up. They got some testosterone in their body. Like, they'll flex. If I let them flex, they'll flex. I got to, like, go, like, no, 
uh-uh jesus no no, <laughs> <laughs> no yeah uh, but you've been you've been doing way better i love all them. those kids yeah, yeah man i've been teaching them for a long time i think i think combining both of our skills where i bring in a lot of the you know classroom like management five percent seven percent seven percent you right no oh well, i give you like I'll give you 11%. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm you like, say now. I'm like mm-hmm. at 89. You're lucky I gave you all my 100%. You're like, <laughs> give you 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you get a Rotten Tomatoes guy. <laughs> no, I think we okay. get more than 100% okay. on our program. Let's wrap it program. up because I'm, I'm getting tired now. Oh, you want to go nighty night? Yep. Hey, good job, Stella. Nice work. I don't even know what you talked about, Thank but you. I'm just going to trust that it's good. You better trust it's good. I hope. I hope. I hope that my name didn't come up. Mm, let me think. I did. Okay, gotta go, folks. <laughs> bad you did, oh, Sorry about that. It's okay, Kitty Pie. Okay, I love all right. You. No, for real, we should go. For real, I know. Okay, hey, uh, you could follow us inside BJJ inside BJJ Podcast. Come out to the academy if you're in the area. Leave us a review on iTunes. Peace out, homies. All right. <laughs> <laughs>